Hey, Glassers. If you have listened to the show for a long time, you know that we record episodes of Reading Glasses a few weeks ahead of time, which is why the show that you're about to hear does not reference the protests going on. There is so much that we can all do to support the Black Lives Matter movement, and we want to help make some change in our particular sphere of influence, which is reading. So before you listen to this episode, I want to take a moment to recommend some fantastic books on recognizing and combating racism. These books are all by Black authors, and the links to buy them all support Black-owned bookstores. Now, note, a lot of them are currently backordered, which is great, which means that there's a lot of people out there buying them. Uh, so try ordering the audiobook through these links if the print copies are, are backordered. You can listen to these authors tell you things and talk to you themselves. Also, remember that bookshop.org does have, for some books, a way to get ebooks, which is something that can't be backordered. So if you are looking to try ebooks, now is a great time. Uh, and also, if you've read any of these, please consider buying them for someone in your life that needs needs educating on why Black Lives Matter. If you have like a weird racist uncle that likes to say all lives matter, this is the perfect gift for him. This problem is so big and so awful and so ingrained in the fabric of our society. But a good way to start helping is by doing what we all do best. Read. Recommending books. Talking to people about those books. Educating ourselves. Research. Reading glasses listeners. This is our fucking jam. <laughs> this is our superpower. So first up, uh, the, the first book I want to talk to you about is So You Want to Talk About Race uh, by Ijeoma Aluo. I love this book so much. I listened to it on audio. It is so fucking good. It is fantastic. It's a very accessible. It's a primer on racism and white supremacy in America and also how to fucking talk about it. This is the book you read before you confront your weird racist relatives. Uh, it is absolutely brilliant. This is another book that you should just buy copies of for people. It lays everything out in such a simple way that y your, your weird racist relatives can't argue with. <laughs> Uh, second book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. The title speaks for itself on this one. It's all about learning to recognize racism and how to combat it. Um, again, th this one is backordered. I also checked the library, uh, at least here in LA. There's like a three-month wait for it. Try getting the audiobook. It is so, so good. The last book I want to recommend is a memoir called Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. Uh, this is another one I listened to on audio and absolutely fucking loved. Read this book and learn how to make your feminism more intersectional. This book is hilarious and brilliant and focused on the experience of being a black woman in America and all the rage that inherently comes with it. Folks, the very, very least we can all do is support black authors and black businesses and teach ourselves how to combat racism in everyday life. Bring regularly reading Black authors and books on racism into your reading life. And again, if you've read all these, try checking out more memoirs and novels by, by Black writers. There are a few links in the show notes where some uh, Black-owned bookstores have put together reading lists, uh, just recommended reading lists. Me and White Supremacy is another great one to check out. There, there's, there's so many. If you've read all of these, keep reading, keep talking, keep recommending things, keep buying books by Black authors. Bria and I have been donating to bail funds and writing to local politicians and using our various platforms to amplify Black voices and resources to help, and we strongly encourage all of you to do the same. Black Lives Matter, Black Books Matter, Black Voices Matter. There are links to all these books and more in the show notes. There are some resources as well. Thank you so much for listening. We are so proud of our Reading Glasses community, and we are 
thrilled to see so many of you who want to, who are out there protesting and who are helping in any way that they can. So please, if you haven't so haven't so far, uh, we ask, please help. Please join, even if it's doing just what we talked about here and amplifying Black voices and edu- buying these books and, and educating yourselves. Thank you for listening. And here comes the episode now. You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box from the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a romance book, and we're talking to author Elsie Rosen. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, I thought it was appropriate to read a um, a romance book for this romance episode. And I am reading, much to the Reading Glasses Facebook uh, excitement, I, I hope. Peep, I hope they're the excited peep, about this. The people called out for you to read this book, Bria. <laughs> I know, I know. Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Uh, so for you who don't know this, so I, I threatened to read this. <laughs> um, Listen up. I'm going to read this fucking I book. I might read this romance novel about two men. Uh, I, I threatened to read this uh, a couple, I don't know, a month or two ago. And, and everyone said, you must read it. And now I know why. I'm only, I just started it last night. And, um, I, and it is really adorable. The writing is fantastic. And it is about the president. The son of the president of the United States uh, has an ongoing rivalry with Prince, uh, with 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 a prince. Um, is his name Henry? Yeah, with Prince Henry, uh, who is the fictional prince in this world. Um, and um, they, in the opening of the book, they get like, they get in, in, they're like, have a little tiff at this wedding. And then they still don't like each other, but then uh, they have to like solve, they have to like fix it because he has, he has to go spend time and pretend like they're friends to try to fix it because it's a you know international crisis. Hold on. Um, is this an em- enemies to lovers? Because people I think love it's this an shit. enemies to, I know, I think it's an enemies to lovers. I haven't ever read an enemies to lovers. This is like, I feel like the thing that people love in romance novels. And now I am getting to experience it firsthand. I think so, people may correct me on that. Cause well, I assume they're going to be any enemies to lovers. They're enemies right now, but they're learning new and interesting things about each other at this moment in the book. And it is very cute. And the writing is really good. And it's really interesting because it's sort of like, I don't know that much about what it's like to be the president's child. And I feel like I'm learning some things about what that might be liked for people. Um, Obviously, this is not our. Car- this is like a fictional president. Yes, sorry, it is. Uh, it's actually a female president in this in this fictional. Ugh, what universe. a dream! I know. Honestly, I kind of want to read that just to experience that. It is. It is. It is really nice, and she's like a democratic uh, <laughs> female president. Um, and yeah, it's great. And you know, it's like two hunky boys talking to each other. They're both like you know, eighteen, nineteen years old or something. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? I am actually reading one of uh, uh, the book of the month picks for May that we got. And I oh, was great. so excited about it. Um, so it's The Knockout Queen by Rufy Thorpe. And she wrote a book a few years ago called The Girls of Corona Del Mar that I loved. So when I saw this was a book of the month pick, her new book, The Knockout Queen, I was so excited. And it is, I'm halfway through it and it is so fucking good. It is, it's like a literary fiction coming of age novel. And I like, this is not a cozy 
feel good read, or at least so far it's not as pretty dark, but it's the, it's such a great book about, you know, that like very uniquely teenage experience of like, you know, when you're a teenager and you're all, all riled up about like what's right and what's wrong and like Mm -hmm. how you believe the world is. And then you slowly start to understand that everything is shades of gray. And even you were like complicit in these, like, and these things that you think that are wrong and you really aren't in the position to judge anybody. And like that very emotionally painful realization that like everything's kind of fucked up. Yes. This, this book is about that exact experience. It's about these two teenagers, the main character, he is this, and it's like takes place like a couple of years ago. So it's not like modern day, but it's very like it modern day ish. Uh, it's his, he's this teenager. He's 17 years old. He's gay. He's growing up in Southern California and his, his life has not been great. Uh, his family is very, very rough and he lives next door to this girl th- that he thinks has a great life, but she's like very, very weird. And her dad is very rich and he like controls the town because he's the real estate agent there and is like, you know, has his hands and everything that's going on in the town. And it's about their friendship and them kind of helping each other discover things. And then like this big bad thing that happens and him learning things about himself and all the people around him through this bad thing. Uh, and the writing is so good. He is extremely funny. Uh, it's just, oh, it's so fucking good. Like I can, I literally, I cannot wait to just get back to this book. And you got that. And that's a, that's a book of the month club pick. Yes, it's called the so, Knockout Queen. Oh, yeah. It's, it's listen. This is not this is not an ad right at this moment, but we they are a sponsor, and if you use the code Glasses, you can get this book as well. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so so good. So that is the Knockout Queen by Ruby Thorpe, and mine is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, the feedback is already pouring in about our snacks episode. <laughs> <laughs> pouring in. Pouring People in. People are banging down the doors <laughs> to talk snacks. People are very excited about snacks, although it was really funny when the episode came out and people were like, isn't every episode about reading, every, every, yeah. isn't every episode of reading classes about snacks? And I was like, fair enough. Uh, but Lindsay wrote in about reading snacks and uh, Lindsay says, in terms of snacks and spoilers, I'm definitely a Bria. I love to eat chocolate while I read, especially certain books that just feel cozy. A cozy mystery, a Christmas book, Harry Potter, they all require chocolate in my opinion. I alternate reading on a Kindle or reading a physical book and it's definitely easier for me to eat chocolate while reading on a Kindle. There have been several chocolate smudges incidents, chocolate smudge incidents on my books. Avoid yeah, eating that. chocolate while reading a library book. Yeah, <laughs> definitely Bria life right there. Um, I would love to hear Bria's favorite chocolate bars. I'm always looking for a good new vegan chocolate bar to try. Uh, Tony's Chocoloni dark chocolate bars uh, are my favorite. Some of the dark chocolate flavors are vegan, but not all of them. Yeah, those are really good ones. Those are the ones that, um, I don't know if you've seen them, but they kind of look like they belong in like a Willy Wonka, uh, like (laughs) in Willy Wonka. The bars, like you can get them and they'll be huge. They'll be like, I'm not joking. They're like, they'll be like almost like a foot long or something. You can get like really big ones. They aren't all that big, but some of them are, which is like, like super weird. Um, just to answer this question, I go with I usually go with the pretty cheap chocolate bar called Choco Love, um, which is really good. And then my other favorite one, the vegan one, I really like. I have one called Milkless that I love. Um, I also love the one that's called like Hugh H U. That one is like really delicious. And the other one I like right now is called Raka R A A K A. They have like a coconut milk one. My mom sent me a bunch of them. Oh my God, they're so good. So delicious. I love delicious. the idea of matching a snack to what you're reading. Like you're, I, Yeah, that's interesting. Like you're reading a fantasy book and you have to like make a hearty stew and eat that. That was what, our, that was what I did for our newsletter for a while. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, just like imagine like, oh, like I, I think reading a fantasy book always makes me want to eat like a big hunk of cheese and bread because that's what people are always eating. Right. If you ate meat, it would be like a turkey leg or something. Yeah, something like that. Although I don't yeah. know what you would eat for a sci-fi book. Like, I don't know. Astronaut like, ice cream? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is astronaut ice cream. That that like astronaut ice cream stuff or some sort of paste, paste-based <laughs> paste food. Tube food. Yeah. Um, Kate wrote in about TBR lists. I love your advice on lowering your TBR list. I never realized until your episode that I have been low-key anxious about my 153 books on my TBR list that I know I'll never get around to reading. I sat down and went through my Goodreads Want to Read list and made hard decisions about whether or not I was actually interested in buying it in reading these books. I'm so pleased that I ended up lowering my list to only 50 books. Go Kate! Uh, wow. I know it will continue to grow, but it seems much so much more manageable knowing I'm genuinely interested in tackling this list. Well, this is another thing we got a lot of feedback about. If people have a lot of, uh, just just like people have a lot of different ways of adding to their TBR, they have a lot of different ways of managing their TBRs. So mm. um, those will be trickling in the next few weeks of TBR feedback. Uh, also, quick bookmark from me before we move on to the next segment. I just want to thank everyone. Uh, my The paperback of my book, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, hit number five on the LA Times bestseller list this week. What? what? Which is absolutely fucking amazing because my book came out a couple of months ago and I haven't been doing anything to promote it. Uh, I don't know what spurred this bunch of folks uh buying the paperback but i cannot tell you how much i appreciate it uh i was really devastated when my book tour got canceled which is like effectively uh you know slashing the amount of books that i'm gonna sell this year so the fact that people are out there telling people about it tweeting about it buying the paperback it means the absolute fucking world to me so thank you thank you thank you for that uh so you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and before we talk about reading romance novels we're gonna take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by our our friends we're very excited about this book of the month book of the month so Book of the Month is a fun book subscription service that offers five new and early release books to choose from each month. So that's right. Some of these books come you're going to be able to get before they actually come out. Yeah, it's amazing. Members choose the book they want and they can add up to two additional books because if one book, we know that's not enough for y'all. We know who you are. Uh, you can add two additional books if you want. Yes. And what's nice is that you it's commitment free. So if a month comes up and you for some reason don't like any of the books, you can just skip that month or as many times as you want. And we they sent us some awesome books for June, which we're really excited about. I mean, most of the time there's, there's such a great group of books. There's always like a literary fiction, like a thriller, sometimes there's a horror, uh, sometimes there's a nonfiction. So there's like there's always like a good group of books to choose from no matter what you really like. What book are you excited about for June, Mallory? I picked The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett because I was super obsessed with the, with the mothers when it came out. So I, when I saw that she had a new book coming out, I immediately was like, oh, I want that one. So I'm really, really, really stoked to read it. What about you, Bria? Uh, the book I'm really excited about is Home Before Dark, which is the new Riley Sagar. I loved from the fi I loved uh, Final Girls. And this is the next Riley Sagar book. And it looks incredible. It's going to be spooky and scary. And uh, Book of the Month is sending it my way, which is very exciting. 
And I know, you know, we're all stuck in quarantine and you're all missing that experience of going to a bookstore. But here now you get like a curated book group every month and they send it to you so you don't even have to put on pants. It's awesome. It's true. And I feel like our listeners probably want to know the other books that are available in June because this is Reading Glasses. So just so you know, (laughs) the other books available in June are A Burning, One to Watch, and The Last Flight, which also sounds really good. Yeah, there's always so many good books. And your first month book is just $9.99 with the code glasses. So you're getting a brand new hardcover book that would normally be like almost $30 for $9.99 with the code glasses. Glasses. So just go to bookofthemonth.com, choose your book, and enter code glasses. So that's bookofthemonth.com, picking your book, and then you enter code glasses. Glasses. Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority, Minority Corner. Corner. Because, because together, together we're, we're the majority. majority. This week, we're ticking off another box in the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a romance novel. Romance novels are not something that is typically in either me or Bria's wheelhouse, so we knew if we wanted a challenge, we needed to include them. Uh, And I am very glad that we did. Uh, Romance is one of the most popular genres there is, but it's also one of the most ridiculed, surprise, surprise, because it's the genre that's dominated by women uh, and authors and protagonists and readership. It's all, it's very, very female dominated. Uh, So it was really important to us to put reading a romance novel on the 2020 challenge to help people try something new, which includes us. Uh, Romance writers are actually some of the best and most talented authors working, uh, especially in regards to character. And so if you shun romance novels, you're missing out on some of the best writing. Um, Do you want to know the first novel to be considered a romance novel? Yes. So you can go back as far as ancient Greece to find romance and storytelling, but we're talking about the modern romance novel. And most people consider a book called Pamela, comma, or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Wow. <laughs> to be the first romance novel. It was published in 1740, so that was a long time ago, and told the story of um, this courtship from the point of view of a heroine, which is great, and it sounds super progressive, but then you learn things about the plot, which is that the book is essentially about a man trying to pr- seduce this woman, Pamela, and uh, and then also attempting to rape Pamela, but because she she's she uh, denies him. She's eventually rewarded for her virtue with him, same man, as a husband. That's what the book is about. But what the fuck? It is a romance novel. And it is, I mean, interesting because it's told from the female perspective. Um, wow. <laughs> although written by this man who, you know, anyway, it was also one of the first bestsellers. Uh, so just just a just interesting tidbit. So one of the questions we get asked most often about this part of the Reading Glasses Challenge is, does 
like insert book here count as a romance. And I see mm-hmm. a lot of discussion about it in the reading glasses challenge. And previously uh, on episodes of the, sh- of the show, we were like, you know, whatever, if you consider it a romance, you know, it's a romance, but we got some emails about this. <laughs> we are because wrong. I had yeah. read a, my friend was, was recommending some books to me and people were like, those are not romance books. You cannot oh, yeah. count them. We Do were not wrong. count those. We were wrong as fuck. Uh, so it turns out there are some very clear cut rules regarding whether or not something is considered a romance novel. Uh, I actually went on the Romance Writers of America website to, to, to double check. And I will say there was uh, a recent uh, racist kerfuffle around the Romance Writers of America. I don't know where it stands right now, so I don't feel comfortable like... Uh, making a stance on them either way. I just want to make people be aware of that. Um, but so, so they're basically, there's only there's two rules, two main rules that decide whether a book is uh, a romance novel or not. The first one is the central plot is about characters falling in love or making a, and or remaking a relationship work. There can be lots of subplots, but the main story must be about romance. It can't be like a book with some romance in it. It has to be some romance with some other book in it. Yeah, because a lot of books have romance at somewhere in there, like a romance that ends up happening or something. I know, like, in movies, like, if you think about movies, I think it's something like 90% of movies have some sort of romance subplot or some sort of romance in them, but we wouldn't call most movies, like, romance, like, rom-coms, you know what I mean? So yes. I think that's kind of, like, a similar role. Yeah, recently... Um Jeremy had me watch Captain America for the first time. And of course they have like Agent Carter, who is literally like the only female character in the entire movie. And it was like, somebody was just like, we need to have some romance in here. We can't just have these guys punching each other. Like (laughs) put a lady in there. Like, it's just like, I was, but I, but someone find a woman, any woman, name a woman, (laughs) just grab her off the street and stuck her, stick her on set. Um, But just because there is a romantic element of Captain America, doesn't mean Captain America is a romance story. I would argue it's a romance story. Just kidding. Between him and Bucky. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, The second thing that you need uh, to be considered a romance novel, a book needs, is, um, and this one's equally as important, it's a happy ending. Um, Not a euphemism, by the way. (laughs) Uh, The ending must be, and now, now we don't mean that they necessarily end up together forever. We don't mean that, right? It must be uh, emotionally satisfying or optimistic. And I read about this quite a bit as well. Um, uh, um, This means the characters end up together or they're rewarded with happiness and love. Something it it is, and and I think people argue about this quite a bit, but I think we're going to stick with this right now, especially for this particular reading glasses goal. Because we want want to make sure people are reading like in this more traditional romance uh, genre. But people are saying, people now, I, I, I read a lot of people who argued against this, but in general, the person ends up happy in some way, shape, or form, even if they don't exactly get what they want. Yes. I, yeah. I, w- I would say that that's emotionally satisfying. And like, I, I know there are a lot of romance uh, novels, especially romance series, where the characters, like you said, might not end up together forever. But as long as the main character of the book is happy at the end. Not yes. necessarily you are happy, but they are happy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and optimistic. Um, so just a note about this. Um, there's some authors that argue that romance novels are, in fact, subversive because of this particular ending, this particular type of ending, because it is one of the few genres in which there's a lot of main female characters and the woman wins at the end by being her true self. For the most yes. part, this is the way a lot of romance novels, she finds her true self, she is her true self, and then she gets this happy ending, no longer being a victim, and 
it's just sort of a different, I mean, it's a change of pace from a lot of books. And it's kind of an interesting subversive ending for female characters. Yes. And uh, honestly, that's why, you know, a while ago, I start like it's romance is so typically made fun of, you know, and for year for de- for generations, people have made, made fun of it. It took me a while to be like, wait a minute, are we just making fun of this because misogyny? Like, are we just making fun of this because it's something that's for women? For so long, anything that was associated with women was like, oh, it's chiclet. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's lesser. It's it's silly. It's not serious literature. Well, think about why you think that, you know, and again, like some of the greatest writers writing today are writing romance and be in like Bria said it's such a subversive it's a great way to like smash the patriarchy a little bit is by reading a romance novel and something where like women get what they want and they have agency and they're at the center of their own story and they get a happy ending yeah I will say this as a side note (laughs) which I think we have to acknowledge there is a horniness aspect to romance, and that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think what's I think there is. You can like, look at our text I think we can't stream. not acknowledge. We can't not acknowledge that. Like sometimes reading, especially I think I don't know something about it turns me into like a giggly teenager where I'm just like, oh my god, they're talking about boobs. Like there is like something about it to me where I'm like, oh, oh yeah. you know, like. Well, you can look at our text messages from the past week. So. I we both got to read the book that of the author that we have on this week as a guest and it's called Camp uh by L.C. Rosen and both me and Bria absolutely fucking love this book and it is a romance novel I would argue it's YA but it's definitely romance um and it is so fucking horny and I started reading Bria read it before me and then I read it I did the first thing I texted Bria I was like Bria this book is so horny and Bria it's so horny. I think you like our whole deck stream was just us going back back and forth going so horny so horny and I <laughs> I think you and I both love to like clutch our pearls a little bit like, oh, I can't believe you did that. So like, look, I think that like we can't not acknowledge that you and I particularly are going to be giggling at certain things. And that's OK, too. It's OK to giggle at these things. And, not, you know, sex when people is talk silly. about sex yeah. is funny. Sex when you talk ridiculous. about like erections, that is, or genitals tingling, that shit is funny in some ways Absolutely. to me. It doesn't always have to mean it doesn't have to be to you, but if you find it funny, that's okay. It's okay to it's okay to be silly and think oh, things told, are funny. Sex is absolutely silly, and I, you know, I think it, it's funny. I, I, I would actually like to look at the statistics of like of romance novels uh, in quarantine because everyone is so horny in quarantine, <laughs> and we almost did a romance uh, like a horny story for isolation isolation book club uh, a couple weeks ago, or will be a couple weeks ago when this episode comes out, and people were like demanding a horny story. Oh demanding they wanted it so bad so we're gonna have to do a horny story at some point and then you and I are both gonna have to talk about it and be embarrassed which will be very funny so Bria what did you read for this part of the challenge well I read camp which I loved um but because the glassers demanded it I'm reading red white and royal blue right now but I had the realization that we've been talking about how important this genre is for women and I've read two or I'm reading and read uh two uh queer romance books and so I think I think I would like to read one more romance this year, and I would like it to not to be involve women in some way. Um, you should read be, a queer, it could be queer women, or but I just want to make I want there to be a woman at the center. I also would like here's a suggestion. I'm going to reach out to the glasses for this. I would like some sort of like 
nerd cosplay kind of romance. I like, feel I don't like, know. Oh God, I feel there like is that one, exists. There's definitely some. There's some. I just don't know what they're called, and I don't know which ones are good. There's. I'm sure there's many. But like, I would like if there's some sort of like boners in Star Wars outfits, <laughs> like give me that, or like some sort of like you know boners at a, com- at a convention, <laughs> boners at a convention, uh, like ladies' boobs at a convention. <laughs> Like, I, that's what I would like to read. So if someone could make that recommendation for me, I would really appreciate it. You know, and I would also argue that reading a queer romance would be equally as subversive because for so long, uh, queer people have not been allowed to be at the center of stories. They've always been kind of sidelined. And they're, a lot of times they don't get to have a happy ending. Uh, so oh, it's I, so true. It's so I, true. I, w- I would say that reading camp is just as, as subversive. And I mean, should we talk about what camp is about? Or I guess he, the author is going to explain. The, the author explains <laughs> it in a few minutes. But camp is about a summer camp for queer, for queer teens. And um, but it is about like the main character coming to terms with who he is. Yes, true. Um, not like within his gayness. He he already has come to terms with the fact that he's gay, but he's come come, come to terms with the fact that he is um like who he is uh, like sort of on the gay spectrum yes oh, <laughs> um, it's so good funny we should mention the the queerness within romance but i was reading some websites that were defining romance books and um sadly a few define them as uh male female like a male female romance well and, we know that's uh, a big bunch of bullshit yeah yeah but i think that probably that definition has changed in the last you know 10 to 15 years yeah. Uh, if, if not even more recently. It's um, better. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What are you reading for this? Or you already read something for this? Yeah. So I, I think I, I talked about it when I was reading it. I read The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie by Jennifer Ashley, uh, which was so fun. I really enjoyed it. I bought another book by her and I bought a few more other, a few other romance novels um, that were like his, historical uh, romance. Um, and that was a straight romance, uh, but it was so much fun, especially right now. I think a lot of people should, tr- if you're like, you're having a hard time focusing, I think that reading a romance novel is such a good idea right now because it's like, it's like the best, it's like the folk, the, the character focus of a literary fiction, but like something that moves on a faster clip, like a genre book. Mm-hmm. And then it's also, really horny. If you're reading, yeah, it's really horny. If you're reading horny stuff, then you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be able to put it down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and but I and then I also read Camp, uh, which I loved. I read it in a day, and I just absolutely fucking loved it. It was so, it was so nice, and it was so, it was just so. I loved all the characters. I loved it so much, and again, so incredibly horny. I know, so horny. But y'all, if you have ideas for like sweaty nerds boning, send me that <laughs> idea. I'd like to read it ASAP. And I went the other side of the spectrum where I'm still on the hunt for more historical romance with lady warrior protagonists. So if you have those, please let me know. I want female Vikings and female knights. And if it's like a horny lady, give me horny ladies with a sword. That's what I want. <laughs> horny ladies with a sword. And Bria wow. wants horny ladies in cosplay. We just found out so much about our sexualities in this moment. <laughs> That's, that is what we want. Uh, so you can send your thoughts and romance recommendations to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to author Elsie Rosen, we're going to take a quick break. Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nuncherla. The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest. Echo Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. 
From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun? It's The Outer Reach. Stories from Beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen. with Lev Rosen, author of the upcoming book, Camp. Lev, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, I just finished uh, Far From You by Tess Sharp. I don't um, know it. Oh, oh. Did you like, did you like Veronica Mars? Yes, I loved Veronica You need to read Far From You. Oh my god! It's like 2000. Uh, let me look at the book. 2014. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about a woman, a young woman. It's 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 young adult. Um, who she's in a car accident at like 13 that uh, leaves her disabled, and she goes on pain meds, which she becomes addicted to, and she goes to sort of stay with her aunt as a form of rehab. And then she gets back and her best friend who is also kind of who she, 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 who she's in love with and who is kind of in love with her. Um, they is a reporter and, uh, or is an intern at a newspaper and they go out to meet a source on a secret story she's working on. And instead they encounter a mass man who uh, murders her best friend and plants drugs in the main character's pocket so that, when she goes to the police, everyone thinks it was a drug deal gone bad and her parents force her back into rehab. And when she gets out, she's determined to sort of prove the truth and find out who killed her best friend. Oh, wow. That's so dramatic. It's so <laughs> good. It's so, 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 so good. And it's queer YA, which is, you know, something I love. Um, but yeah, it's excellent. Highly recommended. Well, speaking of queer YA, can you tell us about your newest book, Camp? Yeah, so um, my new book, Camp, is a queer YA, <laughs> unsurprisingly, <laughs> uh, and it is essentially a a summer romantic comedy um, that takes place at a queer summer camp. And uh, Randy, who's gone to this queer summer camp since he was twelve, uh, all four of those years has been in love from afar with Hudson, who um, is very, who, who defines himself even as mask for mask, uh, which means, you know, he's, he believes himself to be straight acting and that's in air quotes and he's only into other straight acting guys. And Randy is definitely not that. Randy is a nail polish wearing, unicorn loving theater kid. But this <laughs> summer he is determined to win Hudson's love um, and so he's come back as Dell, the other part of Randall, um, and he is essentially enacting the ultimate mask fantasy for Hudson in order to win his heart, make him fall in love, and then hopefully gradually reveal to him who he actually is. Um, and of course, this is a terrible plan, as all his friends tell him, and it does not go smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> as it shouldn't i loved this book by the way i'm Thank so you. happy that i got to read it and i also 
fell in love with Hudson a little bit. So <laughs> I know. I feel like Hudson is as I was just tweeting with someone online. They're like, I love Hudson so much. And I was like, Yeah, that was the point. But that's what makes him like you like him a lot. And just his, him through Randy slash Dell's eyes, he's so attractive. You know, like he you yeah. just are like, oh my God, this is the hottest person who's ever lived. <laughs> I think also the idea behind Hudson was sort of like a a, a personal motivator, like a life coach. Mm. You know, how like you would just fall in love with someone who is like always telling you, you can do it. I believe in you. And that sort of like that was the the impetus. That's what I wanted Hudson to be. But as it goes along, you know, it turns out he's he's maybe not as dreamy as you thought, but Anyway, so uh, he becomes, he changes over the course of the book and I think becomes an even better person than who we thought he was when we started. Yeah, because really he needs the life coaching for himself a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> even though he's, you know, always supporting everyone, apparently, he really mm-hmm. needed someone to do that for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I absolutely loved it. People should definitely pick this up. Um, this episode is all about romance books. Would you classify camp uh, as a romance book? Absolutely. It's a young adult romance, which I think has some variation to what you would think of as adult romance, but it's uh, absolutely a romance. It's a romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, so Mallory and I were talking about this and one question she wanted me to ask you, <laughs> drawing her under the best for this, uh, is um, what is it like to write a sex scene? Because you have... Fairly graphic sex scenes in your book. There's the one sex scene, and my editors and I definitely kind of fought over it. There's a lot of Um, preludes to it. There's a lot of like building to it, though. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of making out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're teenagers. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I think, especially when it comes to queer books, especially when it comes, and like my last Queer YA, um, which comes out in paperback same day as camp, so it's just out now uh, when this airs, I think, um, is about a teen queer sex advice columnist. And like that, you know, that book has the word 4Gs, the hundredth word, and um, there is a... uh, uh, there's um, a guide to anal sex, I think, by the 50th page. <laughs> um, uh, and that's called Jack of Hearts and Other Parts. And um, so I've been writing about sex in the YA sphere, uh, two books in now. But Jack, even though there was a lot of talk about sex and a lot of discussion of, uh, you know, sex advice and what sex is like uh the actual sex scenes i sort of faded to black and that made sense for jack because it was about someone controlling his narrative about sex um Mm -hmm. but with camp i really knew that what i wanted to do because it was romance i wanted it to be sexy and i wanted to have sort of a nice model sex scene and part of that is because i feel like queer teens do not get any kind of appropriate sex education today i mean most teens don't get much sex ed today, but especially queer teens, because even the places where they do have nice sex ed programs in school, um, they usually don't cover queer sex. And so um, I wanted to model a nice but messy sex scene, because otherwise I feel like kids get their uh, their sex education from porn. And like, 
don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with ethically made porn, um, but it's it's fantasy. That's its whole purpose. So I don't think that's a great place to go for sex education. So what I wanted was something that was filled with laughter and something that was still sexy. Um, and, you know, you don't want, especially when you're writing about teenagers, you don't want something that, like, some adult person is going to be, you know, I'm not sure what language I can use on your podcast. You can use any language you want. <laughs> you don't want, like, some pervy 40-year-old jerking off to this sex scene. That was not what, so you want to make sure it's not that level of sexy because it's about teenagers um but you still want it sexy enough that like the teenagers maybe can jerk off to it which is fine um <laughs> although that doesn't that doesn't take much for teenage boys um, <laughs> and uh but you still want it to be fun and funny and like what it's really about i think is the emotional connection and the physicality is all about the sort of permission and granting permission. So I think that's what a good sex scene is about. And it's it, in this case, it's also very, uh, in camp, the sex scene is also very sort of vocal because it's like, can I do this? Do this next, please. And that sort of, you know, asking for consent, giving consent and enacting consent um, and finding out what feels good. Um, I thought that was all appropriate. Plus, you know, lube getting all over the place and all the funny stuff that goes <laughs> along with any kind of uh, sexual encounter, at least in my experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, you, I wanted to make sure that it was uh, funny and sweet and about consent and about two people really sort of bonding and to me that's how you write a sex scene and the physicality is almost secondary to that yeah I, I mean that's a really good answer I think it like that's a better word it's kind of like educational you know like and like that's like the like stodgy word for it or something but like you know like it, it's like this is like a good like a positive sex experience yeah. <laughs> which I really appreciate it yeah, and like I don't mind a you know a messy sex scene in YA. I think that's extremely accurate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something that's less positive. But if you're going to be writing like a happy romantic comedy, which is what I was doing, I thought it should be like a really nice sex scene, but one that didn't feel overly eroticized or overly um, idealized. I still want. I really. It was really important to me that they laugh during that sex scene. You know. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was amazing and really good. I guess I shouldn't say where it falls in the book, but it it, it was it was really gratifying. Um, so what do you think qualifies a book as a romance book? And do you think there's a bias against romance novels? Oh, there's definitely a bias against romance novels, which is hilarious because it's the the most it's the most steadily and high selling genre of all the books. But um. Um, there's definitely a prejudice against it and it has to do with patriarchy and like, you know, emotions and love are what a romance book is about. And so men are told that they're not supposed to have emotions or love. And therefore this becomes a woman's book and a woman's, you know, woman's genre and a woman's genre is inherently deemed lesser than a man's or a, a multi-gender genre because we live in a patriarchal society (laughs) um but i think that what romance needs is people falling in love i know there's a lot of people who would argue that 
all romance needs the uh, the HEA, the happy ever after, or the mm. HFN, the happy for now ending. And I, I understand that as a staple of the genre. And I understand that a lot of people going into a book that is categorized as romance are expecting that ending. And if you're expecting that ending and you don't get it, it can be devastating. Um, so I think that I understand that, but I feel like there should be, there should be a term that's like romance adjacent for the ones that don't have the clean, happy endings. Like, I don't know, like a complicated romance or something like that, you know, although that just sounds like, you know, that's, that's not the right term at all. Never mind. (laughs) Uh, But like, uh, cause I think that books about falling in love can still have these really complicated endings in terms of like, you know, I am happy that that happens, but we needed to end it. You know, love is all sorts of emotional arcs like that can be really complicated. And I I wish there was a easier term for these books that are still about romance and love um, that maybe don't have those concrete endings that I think romance readers expect. Does that answer your questions? I totally answered the question. I totally agree. Um, So tell me about you a little bit. Um, What is your reader wheelhouse, which is basically like things that will make you pick up a book, no matter what the book, like you see it and you're like, I have to have that. Oh man. I read everything. I I don't read as much nonfiction, um, uh, but I do read some, but um, I, I, yeah, no, science fiction, fantasy, mystery, noir, contemporary romance, contemporary uh, um, adventure books. I read so many different things. Like I'm all over the place and I write all different things too. That's, you know, I write adult, I write middle grade, I write young mm-hmm. adult. And I think it's just that I, I don't know, I've never really felt like one genre scratches all the itches, um, one sort of place. And so I like to, it depends, it depends on my mood. <laughs> so uh, lately, you know, under quarantine, I have <laughs> been uh, really gravitating towards like noir. <laughs> and mm. I don't know what to make of that. Um, I know a lot of people are gravitating towards the happier stuff and I get that. Um, but for some reason, me, I'm like, yeah, I want to read about people killing people. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that just says how you deal with the crisis <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> well okay. i'm feeling frustrated i'd like to kill someone can't leave the house now <laughs> uh amazing so um where can we find you online where can we find your book uh, um so yeah camp you can find camp at anywhere that sells books, but I highly recommend going to your local independent bookstore because they really need the help right now. Um, and if you don't know your local independent bookstore, you can go to indiebound.org, I-N-D-I-E, uh, B-O-U-N-D, uh, or you can go to bookshop.org. Um, both of those support independent bookstores, um, and both of them are really great websites. And it's Camp by Elsie Rosen. You can also find it Barnes and Noble, Amazon, etc. Um, uh, and I'm online. I'm on Twitter, Instagram as Lev A.C. Rosen, L-E-V-A-C-R-O-S-E-N. Um, and my website is levacrosen.com. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the show.
Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy talking romance. (laughs) (laughs) Time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Amanda writes in, just wondering if you can answer a question about audiobooks that none of my bookish friends can answer. If an audiobook has multiple narrators per story or per character, how can you tell who is narrating, especially if the narrator is a celebrity? Uh, So we did some research for this one. Uh, and I think, and basically it seems to, it all, it all depends on what app Amanda's using to listen to the audiobook on. Um, and without knowing that, uh, what I would do is go to the audiobooks page on the publisher's website. And Bria, you remember when you were telling me that the, um, the Lincoln and the Bardo book had a full celebrity cast? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it had a cast of like 50 people or something. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so I looked it up on Penguin Random House's website and they have the full cast listing there. And mm. they even had a downloadable PDF, which is like a, it had a full chapter by chapter breakdown for each narrator, which is really, really cool. Uh, so I think the answer to this question is going to differ by the book and by the publisher and by the app you're using. But I, if I was Amanda, I would, you know, just look, look it up. If you're listening to an audiobook that has um, a full cast or multiple narrators, look, look on, start by looking on the page on the publisher's website and see if they have the cast listing. Yeah, I think that totally works. I I was going to say maybe you might recognize some of their voices, but I was thinking about how during animated movies, I get so frustrated because I'll be sitting there watching it and I'm like, who is voicing this Lego person? And like, (laughs) I cannot figure it out. It makes me crazy and I want to leave the theater to Google it. So I actually completely know what uh, Amanda is going through. So I, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if you can figure it out while you're listening, which I think is Amanda's problem. Do they have a Shazam, but for voices? No, I actually thought about that. That would be, I mean, I guess it would be kind of creepy, but it would be kind of cool. Like if you were, like you said, watching an animated movie or listening to an audiobook and you had an app on your phone that was like, this is Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, but don't a lot of audiobooks begin with this thing, read by so-and-so, do they? Yes, I think if it has if it has one narrator, but if like Amanda said, it has a full, like yeah. they wouldn't do that for something like Lincoln and the Bardo because right. they, it would be like, you know, another half an hour of them listing out the full credits. (laughs) 15 minutes later, you're just like, I'm turning it off. This is boring. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, that is interesting. I do think if it is a celebrity, they want you to know and they're going to put it somewhere. They're not going to keep that a secret. Well, did you see that Neil Gaiman, um, Sandman, the first book of Sandman is going to come out uh, as an audio book with a full celebrity cast? Yeah. And they have, in, in all the press materials, they have a full cast list of everybody who is playing each character and like yeah. a breakdown. So I, yeah, I would just, I, I, I don't, again, we, I think we even asked our, our friends, Adam and Jill, um, cause they, you know, work at overdrive. They do the professional book nerds podcast. And I'm pretty sure this is the, I, I asked them about some listener question. I think this is the one, um, it just depends on what app they're using. And I, with Libby, I think it, it depends on the publisher, like which, uh, who's, who's putting it out. Remember what was the app that you had on your Kindle that really was dependent that like gave you, was it X-Ray on, on yeah, Kindle? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of information you get via X-Ray is depending on like how much information is available on there, like yeah. online for each book. And I think this is probably kind of the same thing, right. but I would start on the publisher's website. Wow, James McAvoy is doing Morpheus and uh, yes, it's cool. I know. I, I'm really excited about it. So if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish questions, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and, and Jessica who run our Facebook group. Uh, particular thanks lately. It's been booming in there. <laughs> 
I haven't, I only, I, I'm checking, I had, I got to check tonight because I still don't have internet. Uh, so I haven't been even in the Facebook group, but it was hopping. It was very exciting. Um, so thank you to all of them who, who moderate that for us. And also Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and bookmarks and stickers in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes to help us out for free. It takes like a minute. It costs you nothing but a little bit of time, and it's great for us, great for our self-esteem, great for the show. It's great for everybody. It's like drinking a glass of water. It's just you can't, you can't go wrong. Thanks for listening, and thanks for thanks reading. Thanks for reading. <laughs>